Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. and you with Dr. Lulu basically is the name of this show, but I'm only interviewing doctors and I'm interviewing 19 doctors and we're doctor number nine. So this is awesome. <laughs> I've got so many more doctors to go. But Dr. Felicia Sumner is a family practice doctor, if I'm not mistaken, and um, she's going to be talking to us today. She's going to just talk about the usual stuff. How are you doing? How is your family doing? And then how is your practice doing? So Dr. Felicia, before, um, without taking any more time, do you want to do just a brief intro of who you are and um, your why for medicine? Why, why did you decide to become a doctor? Yeah, sure. Hi. Thanks so much, uh, Dr. Uchenna, for having me on the series. I commend you for making this happen. I think that it's very important to just have some safe space for doctors to just let it all, let it all loose. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm a board certified family medicine physician. I've been practicing now for about six years post-residency located in the Philly area, a town called Lansdowne, Pennsylvania. Um, I own a direct primary care practice that's been open now for about a month. Uh, I'm sorry, a year, <laughs> which has been awesome. Um, I'm a wife and a mother of three little divas. Uh, our, our youngest is six months old, and I apologize if you hear her in the background because she likes the limelight too, <laughs> and um, a best-selling author of a book about self-care called Fill Your Cup, and I love to speak on uh, things related to direct primary care, but also functional medicine and things that are more holistic. Um, so that's me. When it comes to my why of why I became a physician, that story is, uh, is, is complicated. <laughs> um, but to try to sum it up the best I can, it started from the time I was super little. I was like three years old and I decided I wanted to be a doctor from that time. Uh, my parents helped to coddle that dream very, very well and, and nourish that. I loved my pediatrician as a kid um, and really enjoyed uh, following you know, his example and, and enjoyed the interaction there. And I think it was more so confirmed when my father was stricken with stomach cancer when I was just a high schooler. And I saw so many different facets of his relationships with the physicians. Some were super positive and some were super not positive. And I think that after looking at, you know, the dynamics between that patient-doctor interaction, I had uh, decided 
affirmatively that I wanted to be sure to have those positive interactions with patients. I wanted to be someone who could provide the kind of care that, you know, my patients could tell their family members about and knew that, you know, they were receiving real compassionate care. Um, so that's it summed up as little as I can. <laughs> Amazing. I, you know, I, I, I kind of knew that there was going to be a pediatrician in the mix because, you know, we, we have that effect on our patients. Okay. If you're a good pediatrician, it's, it's a lifetime of, I don't know, relationship, even if oh, it's yeah. just a memory. Because I know my patients who now have children, they're like, oh my God, I wish you were still here so you can be Boniqua's doctor. I'm like, oh, you know. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, there's a lot to be said about it. Ironically, I wanted to become a doctor because of my family medicine doctor. Because oh. in Nigeria, yeah, in Nigeria, we don't have, everyone is a general practitioner is what I mean. We don't really have, mm -hmm. now we have some more specialization. It takes forever. But the person who inspired me was a family practitioner. He was our family doctor. Mm. And I think I had a crush on him. I really honestly think as a child, <laughs> he was so nice. I wanted to just like, I just liked being sick. So I could see him, <laughs> whatever. I mean, I was, I don't know, six years old. And he was, he was just always so nice. But anyway, who knows? But either way, I wanted to be someone like that. But I didn't know, I didn't know he was a doctor. I just wanted to be someone that people would go and feel better when, when they're around them. So yeah. that was mine. But yeah, interesting. Sorry about your dad. Well, I'm, I'm gratefully blessed that uh, he is still with us today. It oh. was a, a tough road. Um, for a number of reasons, but thank goodness. Yeah. By the grace of God, he's, he's doing much better. So thank you. I know stomach cancer really. Any, yeah. Any he was organ, a lucky guy. I yeah. know any organ cancer is like, uh, you know, so that's amazing. Well, congratulations on all sides and your baby, of course, at six months old. And by the way, do not apologize for a baby. I think as a pediatrician, <laughs> I tell people all the time, the best music in the whole world is, is either children laughing and crying or, the, or children just talking. I just, to me, oh, that yeah. is, even my kids have grown two adults and a teenager and I crave their sound. I just want to hear them having a discussion together. I'm just like, you know, it's just it's amazing. I love, love, love it. So people should 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 find joy in that because they're not going to be six months old for too long. And then it's like, mom, that is so true. Mom, do you have to come to school? Can you just drop <laughs> me off like a mile? <laughs> you know, so it's going to happen. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm 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 anxiously not excited for that moment, but it'll come. I know it. It'll come. <laughs> so that was that's a nice segue to the, you know the topic of the day, which is I mean yeah. I guess you get to pick. You want to talk about yourself first, or you want to talk about your child? Um, and I didn't know. I think I knew that you had a book. I, I can't remember if I knew that, but that's amazing on the book. Hopefully, we'll come back to that. Let me write that down because I want to talk about. It. I love the name of the book. Oh, thank Don't you. you. That's amazing. And is it something as wear your mask first, almost something like that? Yes. Say that again. And it's almost similar, like to wear your mask first, right? Something like right. that. Right. You got yeah, it. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. We're going to get back to that. I love it. So sure. you want to start with talking about, talking about how you're doing, you know, just this, this whole pandemic when it's struck, we were like, is this a joke? Is it not a joke? I mean, how, yeah. how is it for you? Um, it's, it's been a journey. I'll, I'll certainly say that. Um, when the pandemic hit, uh, we were just actually we had just uh, had our third child um literally like she was a week old and i came out of um a c-section and an unfortunate uh 
complication after the, the section that I was still recovering from as well. Um, and so we were anticipating enjoying four to six weeks of trying to adjust to the new baby and still being able to send the two oldest ones off to their grandparents' house and to daycare and uh, to school. Our, our oldest was enjoying kindergarten at the time, and it kind of honestly hit us like a ton of bricks. Um, and my husband, God bless him, he was really a trooper through a lot of it because I was still recovering from my section. Um, because of uh, my complication, my family members didn't want me to leave the bed like at all. So I was just stuck in the room nursing our child, um, our baby, and he was trying to be daddy and mommy all at the same time. Um, so it was uh, something. <laughs> um, but gratefully, you know, after a couple weeks and um, me regaining my strength, uh, we were able to at least co-parent again in, in a more productive fashion. Um, it still hadn't been easy because our intention was to get the practice back up and running after I was, you know, through with a couple weeks of recovery. And we instead had to try to maneuver telemedicine visits and having three young kids at home, um, ages a couple months, two and five at the time. So, I did a couple of telemedicine visits, uh, video chats with my patients with face paint on me. And, um, you know, we just, we just made it work. So uh, it was, you know, it was, it was quite a journey and I'm grateful that, you know, things are starting to normalize to say the least. So interesting, uh, yeah. interesting that you, you, you kind of put it all together. Usually it's, you talk about yourself first because we tend to not. And I've seen every single doctor that I've interviewed, and probably I'm, I'm just as guilty. We start with ourselves and then we morph into our kids and then our practice. But really, honestly, Dr. Felicia, I want, to, I want you to tell us how you are doing. Okay. <laughs> because we, and it's, it's, we don't even know when we do it. You know, mm -hmm. We don't. And, and that's okay to an extent. But you know, fill your cup, baby girl. How are you doing? Yeah, I gotta practice what I'm preaching for <laughs> sure. So, um, I'm I'm doing I'm doing fairly well considering the circumstances. Um, but it COVID, uh, I think, added on to the um, the joys and the pains of being postpartum. Mm. Probably were not the ideal combination. Mm. Uh, so. When I, you know, had first given birth, I was, you know, just dealing with regular postpartum stuff. And I think that it actually took me a couple of months into the process to realize like, oh gosh, I guess I really am dealing with postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that the distraction that came from COVID kind of didn't allow me to even fully process all of that at the time. It was just, you know, trying to deal with just getting through every day from the time our children wake up at six in the morning through working till their bedtime and then me passing out <laughs> at eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night um, to not even fully process that like my mood is very different. I'm really super tired, like impressively tired. I'm a lot more snappy. Um, just everything, I wasn't myself, and 
um, you know, a lot of times, especially as professional working women um, with children in particular, you try to give everything else some other excuse um, before you put the D word in the conversation. Um, and so it took me a while to be frank, even though I know all the signs um, as a doctor and I can diagnose it for any of my patients. But when it came to me, I just, it took me some time to really realize that that was a part of uh, why um, the past couple of months were so challenging. Yes. And um, so gratefully, uh, after giving some time to reflect a little better and realizing that that was going on, um, I was able to kind of talk through a couple of uh, friends and loved ones who are closer to me. And that acted as, you know, very helpful therapy. Um, and I'm feeling better. I still probably need to keep up on my vitamin D and my magnesium intake, and that'll probably help quite a bit. <laughs> um, but that that's me. Did I answer this question better? I think you did. I, I, I honestly think you did. And I, and I, you, maybe that's the first time you've had to even talk about it. I know for me, I had full blown postpartum depression after my third black son. And for, for reasons that were proven in May of 2020, mm. I told my mother, I said, I can't believe I'm having a third son in America for them to kill, is what I said when he was oh. 16, in October he'll be 16. But I saw it and I said, mom, you know, I, I, I said, I want a girl, maybe they will not kill this one. I mean, for real. This was oh, dear God. I had 16 years ago because I was just, yeah. oh, God. And then, of course, in 2020, lo and behold, my thoughts came to fruition because that's what they want to do. So I know from just, I know I was, I resisted. In fact, I went into depression prepartum. I didn't want to have a boy again. And I didn't know the sex, but my ex-husband knew the sex. And I could tell from his reaction that it was another boy. I could, he was just over, mm. oh my God, you know, I'm the man. I was like, so yeah. I love my baby to pieces and he's like my, my life right now. Yeah. But I mean, it, was not, it wasn't to do with the child. It was just to do with me and just where I am, the world that I live in, the world that I'm bringing him into. And I'm like right. I'm responsible for this little guy, for, for all his worth. You know, just I, I feared for the future unknown. And, you know, of course, this is what's going on right now. So yeah. no doctor, no person, doctor or not, will fault you for having a baby having postpartum complications and then having COVID on top of it. Anybody will, will understand if you are a little moody. <laughs> you know, congratulations on having the insight to accept it. Because mm -hmm. one of my guests a long time ago in my podcast, she, she said, it's easier for us to say yes, than I need help. So I don't know if anybody asked you how you're doing or are you, and you'd be like, yes, I am. Oh my God. Thank you for saying something. Before I would say, you know what? I need help. Um, yeah. This is a world that we live in. We, we also, you know, this strong black woman myth, which is not real, <laughs> which is so not real, but you know, we also, you know, we, we, we feed it too. It's like you know, at the back of our minds, we're like, yeah, we want to be strong black women. It would be nice to be, but I'm really not, but I don't want anybody to know. So I'm going to pretend that I am and whatever. Oh but yeah. Amazing. 
Well, congrats. I'm going to jump to your book because that's about you also. And then we'll talk about your family and your practice. Sure. So, tell me about the book. What was the inspiration for the book? Uh, so the, the book was honestly like a, um, I need to preach to myself kind of situation. Um, when I started it, I was in a position where, um, I actually really enjoyed my, my, uh, previous employment prior to starting DPC. I was working in rural middle of the nowhere, Georgia, um, and got to do everything that a family medicine doctor back in the day could do. Um, there were basically like no restrictions and it was amazing. Um, but unfortunately our, our social life suffered a bit and we had two kids at the time and we really needed some help. Um, and we were kind of very far from our family and support system. And at the same time, our own family, um, our parents weren't doing very well when it came to their health and we kind of needed to get back home and provide them some better support. Um, and actually it came just in the nick of time for them, which is a story for another day. But when I, uh, decided to write the book, um, I started kind of just reflecting a little bit on those moments when I, you know, have regrettably, done things that I really wanted to say no to, but was just so concerned about hurting someone else or my reputation or some other crazy thing that in retrospect, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> but uh, again, I think it's like you said, this strong black woman complex, and we just have to do everything and we have to shoulder all the burdens. Um, and we have to not express any negative emotion while doing all of that. And unfortunately, we suffer the consequences eventually. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I guess after learning and trying to like go through way too many self-help books, probably a lot of prayer, a lot of meditation started to realize like, I can't, I can't pour from an empty cup. And it was really just that simple mm -hmm. um, that, you know, I'm so busy giving, giving, giving mm -hmm. as a mother, as a wife, as a daughter, as a sister, as a friend, as a but cousin. Not as, but not as me, you know, all right. of these things, but I'm just not on the list. Oh yeah. All 20s. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just put your name. On. You know, it's funny you said that just yesterday. And I love, love, love coaching. I had one of my, my, clients who had said something to her a while back and said, I would like to coach you on that for free then. And she was like, okay, and I'll get around to it. And then yesterday she was like, okay, I'm ready now. And I was like, I can't, I can't believe I said no to her. Like, like, yeah, like I can't believe I said no to her. And, and then the other, my, my other self was like, have you lost your mind? Like, mm. you know, do you know how much money I'm, but the other self was like, no, I'm about to have C-spine stenosis surgery. I don't want to mm. take that on. It's not because, you know, I won't be good at it, but I offered it to her for free uh, several months ago. But now I, I just cannot add any more on my table. Exactly. Like, not even my plate, but my table. Like I'm going out of my plate to my table. Right, right. I think that one of the biggest aha moments for me was when I realized that saying no isn't just even saying no for yourself but it's respecting and showing love to that person that you're saying no to because when you're saying no to them you're saying that i prioritize what you're asking me to do enough to say that i'm not gonna do it my 
you know, that I, that you're going to, you know, you're, so we don't deal with any regrets and me spreading myself too thin and not giving you all of what I think you deserve. I'm going to say no. I love that angle. And I, it reminds me of a while back when my cousin who lives in Dallas, he was like, you have to come to Texas. Texas is the, like, if you don't, Texas is, there's no taxes, there's there, whatever. He painted this fantastic picture. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Dallas. Um, but that, the story was not about me coming to Dallas. It was about, about that cousin. At one point, he was like, you know, just struggling a little bit financially. And, and so was I. And he was like, you know, and I was like, you know what? If I, to myself, I said, if I can't give him the money for free, I don't want to give him at all because I'm going to want him to pay me back. And I don't want to ask him to pay mm. me. You know what I mean? So I was like, you know what? Rather than this be the reason why my cousin and I were like best booze, I just said, no, I, I can't. And you know mm. what? He never questioned it. He just said, that's okay, you know, and today he's doing very, very well. But and I, and in a way, I'm like, oh, you know, I wish I had given that, but I didn't really have it to give one. Right. Two, I didn't want to give it and then have to be like, oh, yeah, but you know, and then maybe he instead be like, well, I, I owe her money, whatever. Either way, we have a fantastic relationship because I said no. I think that was my yeah. first time a long time ago, my very first major no, and I still remember it. And mm. I said no, and it's somehow in my mind, I'm like. Yeah, but he's still doing okay because ultimately God will provide. Right. It's not for you to try to fix everything and mm-hmm. to, to get engulfed in the flame while you're trying to heat people up. No, that's not okay. Exactly. Uh-uh. Exactly. Amen. So is, yeah, go ahead. How is the book doing though? How, how is your book doing? Is it doing good? It's doing well. Yeah. Um, it, we, I wrote it uh, February of last year. It it's been a bestseller on Amazon. Um, I think that it resonates with a lot of people, particularly those of us who are caregivers in any capacity, doctors, teachers, mothers, preachers, just like so many of us who are in the service industry um, that we pour ourselves, pour of ourselves so much um, and don't realize that, you know, you have to start with you first. So um, the full title is Fill Your Cup, A Physician's Guide to Caring for Yourself, Creating Your Purpose, and Masterfully Managing Your Condition. And I tried to, you know, kind of tie all that in, even when it comes to when you focus on your own physical health. If you're not with that mindset that I'm going to put myself first, um, in caring for myself, then it's really hard to do. It's really, really hard to do. Even something as simple as taking your pills every day, um, can get complicated when you're not focusing on (laughs) putting yourself first, then let alone that in, in, in addition to adhering a healthier lifestyle, getting some exercise in, Mm -hmm. you know, taking the vitamins you need, eating the right kind of foods. There's no way that stuff can happen if you are not with that mindset of I've got to take care of myself, if I'm going to take care of anyone else, mm-hmm. I've got to fill my cup first, if I'm going to pour it out to anyone else. So that was the inspiration for why I really wanted to get that book out there. I love that. I mean, I, I you know, I'm going to put the link to the, I, I could just Google it on Amazon, right? So I'm going to, include, yeah, sure. So much for what a, was it? What a nice concept. And I mean, I think you're not alone when, you say sometimes you, you, you start writing a book for someone, but that person 
it's really you. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, and like they say, you know, if you if you if you if you're looking for something to be done, you're looking for sliced bread made of I don't know okra, and you can't find it, make the sliced bread made of okra, and then you mm -hmm. will be the one that you know. So just make it and just be done with it. So right. that's congratulations. I mean, that's amazing. It's never easy to, to writing a book is such a weird lonely and then again not so lonely journey but mm. Mm. Uh, anyway so that will take us to how your family is doing i know you've dropped hints all right you've got a newborn baby ish i mean six months is still a newborn and then your father yeah. so you're in the middle you've got this generation after you and then the generation before you it looks like you know you've had drama with on, on either end and thankful for supportive spouses because um mm -hmm. mm. So how is that how is that department doing? Yeah, um our family is chugging along. <laughs> uh our, gratefully we have seen um much more positive than negatives, but it hasn't been, you know, an easy ride particularly with these past few months. Um not only has COVID kind of changed how we um navigate to, through society, um, but even, you know, the recent events with George Floyd um, have changed a lot of our conversation. Um, so one, you know, with our kids, they are wearing masks everywhere they go now. And at first, you know, it was a lot of education, you know, of why they're doing this to make sure other people don't get sick, et cetera. And I think our five, now six-year-old had somewhat mastered that concept our three-year-olds you know two three-year-olds they're just selfish little human beings and so um <laughs> that that process was a little hard for her to to navigate for a while like i don't get it i'm wearing this for somebody like <laughs> it was just a lot to to comprehend but now it's just i guess a regular part of life that when we go outside that's what we do and um so for the most part, that's become somewhat of a normalized thing, but I pray and hope that it's not going to be that way for much longer because just not being able to, you know, for our children to, to navigate um, nonverbal cues, like I just, I wonder what that's doing to them to, to not be able to fully calculate all of that, like being at school or daycare all day and not seeing their friends smile and you know, not, so it, that's just been an interesting thing that I, I, I hope they won't have to struggle with for much longer. Um, uh, but aside from that, unfortunately, uh, with the passing of the murder, rather, of George Floyd, yes, our, our six-year-old had processed that quite interestingly, and, um, we're a very, I guess, for lack of a better term, woke kind of family. And uh, we, we preach, you know, being very proud of yourself, being proud in your skin, mm -hmm. knowing who you are. Um, I commend my husband for probably leading the, the, the way in that regard mm -hmm. um, in our family. He's a very proud man of African heritage and, and our children um, know that very well. Um, but we had kind of, I guess, shadowed our, our blinded, I guess, um, our children from that aspect when it came to, you know, the police, police brutality. Yeah, the reality of it, yeah. Um, but I don't really know exactly how our daughter, our now six-year-old, came across the conversation. I did share with her that there were a lot of protests going on and 
and she was asking why. And I said, unfortunately, there was a, a young man who was hurt really bad by the police. And, and we don't think that it's right for anybody to be hurt by the police, especially if they're, you know, when they're good people. And, yeah. And, um, and even if they're bad people, I mean, right. <laughs> of course. Like, um, you don't have a right to somebody's life. Exactly. And so we shared that, you know, it unfortunately was because we think that it was because he was black mm -hmm. and he wasn't being treated fairly because he was black. And she kind of already has a, a conceptual understanding of racism and um, things like that. Uh, but particularly the, the police being added to the story, I think has unfortunately played a role um, in how she processes what should be protectors exactly. to her. Um, yeah. And so now we even like, if she hears a police siren or she sees a cop, um, she saw one time, like my husband talking to a cop, she like, she went nuts. She's very fearful now um, about any police interaction. Um, and, and that's been unfortunate because no child, <laughs> no child should see it that way. And yes. unfortunately, many of our black children probably do. Mm. Um, uh, so that's been one concept um, that our family has been, you know, trying to work through. Um, my husband and I, we've just been trying to, you know, navigate through this new normal the best we can um, and try to stay educated and uh, you know, balanced mm. in, in all of this. But overall, I mean, we're grateful that we still have our health and yes. um, we continue to, to try to advocate for our extended family um, in the same manner. So, yeah. I can't even, I can't. My, my, like I said, my baby's 16, so 10, well, he'll be 16. So mm -hmm. 10 years older than your baby. I, even I had a, I, I couldn't find the words not because he hasn't known, but because at this, this one like was cold blooded. Like I haven't watched the video. I will not be watching the video. Ever. I don't blame you. <laughs> it's I won't. I've seen easy. it naturally. I saw the pictures and you know, that's enough for me. And I took a lot of time. I, I watched Roots when I was eight. Yeah. This date, I still see Kunta Kinte tied to the tree and getting whipped. I can't do it. I, I haven't watched 12 years. Of I don't do that. Selma, I'm not watching. I love the history. I can't, I will stay up all night just ruminating on just the, uh, the details. I didn't watch Saving Private Ryan. I don't do warm movies for the cinema. I just can't handle it. And I'll just it. cry all day and just, and I'll just be, I know it's, when it's a movie, I don't care if it's a movie, it happened. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're great actors because they make it look like it's real, whatever, but I can't. Right. I needed to see the guy, I forget his name, the real, the Kunta Kinta, I forget his real name. I, I needed to see him in other roles. I needed to see him multiple times in other roles mm. to, to finally come to terms with, because as a child, as this man, oh, this boy, actually, I could not. I'm sorry, I can't. I get it. I get it. So I can imagine what children now, and in the, that, the poor little 17 year old girl who stood there and videoed that and to now get, mm. get and you know, African-American children, there's so many levels of this. I mean, there's, oh, yeah. there's a could picture, be a... I don't know if you saw that picture of the little black boy with the policeman from the back. There's a, there's a, there's a cartoon and the little boy is looking up with concern and the policeman asks him, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
And the boy says, alive. Mm. Hello. You see what I'm talking about? Like with a very troubled look, he says, alive. Like, please let us be, please. If that speaks volumes. That I mean, it's just... Volumes. It, was my, it was my screen, whatever, thing for the longest time. I just could not get my... I couldn't stop putting it on there. And I think that that picture would never become irrelevant mm. in America. It's sad to say, mm. no, likely not. Um, did you see my video I mean, from Sunday? Did you see my little stay with, our, stay with my son video on Sunday? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Another one again, you know, it's like... And to think that I actually got... The first person I got negative energy from was a black woman yeah. she was like well what if he was guilty i said who is talking about guilt ma'am what if he wasn't guilty did you think about it and indeed he wasn't because it was a mm. it was stopped and then they couldn't find anything to let him go which means right. he wasn't guilty to begin with i mean it's like what if he wasn't guilty it's a highway everybody goes at 85 miles an hour in a, on a highway so you don't stop me for going at 86 if everybody else is doing 87. Right. you know what i mean right like, Right. But why did I get stopped? Because I'm black, because I'm a black boy, because I'm a black boy driving alone. And all of those things come back to the same question. Why, did, why was he stopped? So um, it's unfortunate, you know, or at least in this case, he got to go home to his mama to get one more yeah. night of plugging. What about yeah. Timon? What about my son? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, when you ask, like, how our family's doing, that's just a whole nother facet <sighs> that um, even... Not, not that I already, literally every night when my husband takes a drive somewhere, I pray to the good Lord Jesus that he comes back. Um, it's uh, certainly been heightened since all of this. Um, I, I probably have basically held him hostage in this house. <laughs> Girl, you, guys, you, know, and, and you know, like I told you at the beginning before we started recording, you know, my kids have to go back to school. It's like they've been home for spring break up until August and I'm like, yeah, can you stay one more day? You know, just, mm. because I know, I know I have to let you go. I know that. And it's not like, you know, it's not like they're safer in my neighborhood anyway. I mean, they went to, well, for a run and someone called the police on my kids. In my mm. So it's not like they're safer here either, but somehow you just feel like if they're around, if you're around them, there's that extra layer of something. But then again, yeah. it's a bland country. So I'm not safe either. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I recalled when um, that happened with, with George Floyd. I think I was gratefully, you know, I got some texts from some friends of other races who were just checking in, seeing how I was doing mentally, etc. Um, but then I did also come across some other conversations that were kind of just like, oh, he deserved it, etc., etc. Racism is oh. real. Like, it was just pretty awful. And I guess I was at that time prompted um, to put up a really long post on my own social media about, you know, racism, racism in healthcare. Hey, I'm a black female doctor. Yes, I've made it. But no, I've experienced racism hundreds of times throughout my only 34 years thus far. And um, I even had recently recalled when I, um, when I had, not that long ago had given birth to our second child. I think she was only a couple, maybe a month old or something. I was driving in a car um, and a cop stopped me. Couldn't really tell me why, um, 
but it was, it was a horrible experience. Mm -hmm. Our, our, our daughter was, um, crying really bad in the back of the car. And, um, I was just trying to get home so I could nurse her. Mm -hmm. And I had asked, why did he pull me over? Um, of course there's some PTSD and repressed memories associated with it, <laughs> but largely he basically was saying, you know, he needs to write me out, yada, yada. And I just like, can we please move this along? My daughter's crying in the back of the car. I really want to tend to her. And he said that um, crying isn't going to kill your child. Oh, my God. My, my newborn baby child. Like, let oh her cry. Oh, my God. Um, so, I, I mean. I saw that coming. Yeah. It, I mean, that's so minute in comparison to some other experiences that, that my husband, other people, um, of course, you know, publicized and non-publicized experiences, but that's just, you know, it's an everyday thing for it. Like you don't see my little black baby as a baby that, that shouldn't be tended to. Um, so yeah. Terrible. I hope he gets COVID. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what I do now. I just like, you know what? I hope you get COVID. I mean, you need to get, you need to experience some kind of pain. Yeah. How, how mean of him. But you're right. Our babies are not babies. We're not humans. We're not humans to them. That's it. It's as simple as that. This yeah. is why we have the rise of Karen Nation. It's real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The rise of Karen Nation. You know. Hmm. I tell you. I'm just yeah. gonna leave that alone. That's a good place to leave that alone. Yeah. Maybe say Please do. So we're gonna talk about your practice and then you know we'll 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 say goodbye. But how is your practice? You know, we already kind of touched on that, like it's thriving, thank God. Uh -huh. but, um how is your practice doing? I mean, I'm we're blessed to have been in the position to have direct primary care right now, to be truly frank. I, um, my heart goes out to my physician colleagues who um, were our frontline workers at the time this pandemic hit, mm -hmm. um, that some of them were told to work overtime, to work in ERs when they never had ER training, um, all without pay, volunteer, um, without any kind of hazard pay. It, it's oh. just, it's, it's been a, a mess. And I, that, I couldn't have imagined that after giving birth to my third child and that pandemic hit for me to go back to an employed yes. physician and yes. be, you know, basically treated like almost not human. Like we you were just don't like, want to come to work. You don't have to come to work next. Right. What is right. It, 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 it's, it's really scary. And, um, you know, aside from that, just even, being financially solvent, if you owned a practice, um, was really tough and has been still um, with the pandemic. Um, a lot of patients not, you know, being fearful of coming into the office. A lot of people losing their jobs, losing their insurance, so they can't see their doctor. Um, and we were blessed to be prepared and primed uh, with direct primary care, to be frank, that our patients, um, if they lost insurance, they still had a way to see us. Um, right. Our patients, we already were doing telemedicine visits since the time we opened, so there wasn't any strange transition for us to have to deal with. Um, 
and we don't have 50 people walking through our doors once we did open. Uh, it was very easy to clean between every patient and sanitize and um, not have huge traffic coming through. So um, gratefully, we're, we're glad that we're in this space. Uh, because a lot of people don't know where to go for health care mm -hmm. and w without insurance and, and we're, you know, well prepared to, to have the doors open for them. So, um, and we've been able to bring our baby with us sometimes <laughs> to the practice, which I could not do if I were an employed doctor. So um, thankfully, the, the practice is actually going really well. Thanks for asking. That's amazing. It's amazing. It, the, 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 the one thing I was going to go back really quick is I know most people, you and I know what DPC is, but maybe there's a random person who's going to come across this video and not know. So do you want to tell, you know, just, I don't know, what's, what's, direct, what's direct primary practice? Yeah, sure. So direct primary care, the best way I like to say it is it's like the Netflix, Netflix of healthcare. Netflix doctor. Yes, I there go. Yeah, that's what I say to the Netflix for your doctor or a gym membership for your doctor. Yeah, yeah. So our patients, they just pay a monthly membership and they get unlimited access uh, to a very clear doctor-patient relationship. There's no third party involved. I'm not busy checking off boxes that your insurance tells me to check. I'm focused on just you, my patient, and it's an amazing thing. So our patients, they're not worried about, you know, a two month wait to get in. Usually we can get them in the same or the next day if they have an acute need. Um, our visits are much longer. They have 60, sometimes 90 minutes sitting with That's me right. to get all their questions answered. Okay. There's no, oh, by the ways. There's no, oh gosh, I forgot this. Um, they can text me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really just, you know, Un unbarred care, uh, the best way to put it. And there's so many benefits to it. I'm not trying to make this the commercial for DPC. Well, you know what? Um, Let me tell you something. If you don't tweet your own horn, no one is going to tweet it for amen you. Amen to that. <laughs> a practice doctor. I love DPC. I didn't think my article was going to get, you know, published in the magazine, but it was published in the Bear County magazine, the Texas magazine. Because awesome. What is that? I was like, DPC, you haven't? Oh, honey. How much many, how much time you got? So let me uh, you. <laughs> because of the high rates of suicide and high rates of burnout and high rates of dissatisfaction, you already painted a good picture of doctors just being treated like, you know, y'all don't even, you know what, next. That's not fair. So mm -hmm. DPC is the answer. It may not be the all in all be or whatever, but it is the answer for majority of burnout problems. Oh yeah. And, and I'm DPC docs get burned out. But um, I, I think it's the ultimate way to take back your autonomy. In oh, for sure. And just like you probably heard that statement, happy wife, happy life that they preach to husbands, right? Yeah. I really think happy doctor, happy patient. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, when we're happy and we're you're feeling fulfilled and we're not going through assembly line medicine, we can provide oh. so much better care for our patients. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that. So what is the name of your practice? Don't let's forget. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, we are Synergize Direct Primary Care, and we're located in Lansdowne, Pennsylvania. Um, so yeah, if you're in the PA area, definitely look us up. Yeah, because I think it's also integrated. You've got your husband doing the physical therapy or something, or like a gym or yeah, something. Yeah, so we, we make an awesome team. I'll be frank. Um, He's our office manager and also a certified health consultant. So I do try to look at things a lot more holistically for my patients. I've got some 
um, training in functional medicine. So a lot of our patients come in with uh, diabetes, hypertension, hormone issues, and we're able to get them off a good majority of their medications. A lot of patients we've gotten off their insulin. Um, my husband does a lot of diet and nutrition counseling. We work on um, exercise plans for them. Um, we make personalized meal plans for our patients. We really try to look at things very much holistically. Um, we certainly can prescribe pills when, when there is a need, but it's usually not our first go-to unless it has to be. And that's because we've got the time to do it. Patient satisfaction, there's so much to be said about that. And, you know, going back to, because I, I can, I do not, I don't want to talk about medicines in my, like taking pills, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to mm. talk about it. I mean, I know I have to be on my blood pressure medications. I tried to be off of it on my own one time. And then the headache that came, I was like, okay, I respect you. I'm going <laughs> to, but there's a lot to be said about finally getting patients off their meds. Because mm -hmm. the, the other kind of medicine, the traditional medicine, you almost depend on your patients coming back to see you for their meds for survival. But right. the, the patient sees the value that they get in getting off their meds. Yes. And of course, the drug companies, they don't like that. If you don't believe me, watch TV and for the next 30 minutes, tell me how many medication commercials you see. And then we can talk about it. So there's a lot of profits. And that's really not why most of us went to medicine. We no. went, to, went to medicine for this holistic, which I like to spell holistic with W-H-O. Yes. You know, exactly. it's, it's everything together is why I went into medical school. Mm -hmm. For those who have a huge debt, that's why you are able to take that huge debt and say, you know what, huge debt, patient satisfaction, I'll take, I'll take it. Right. So there's a lot to be said about just, just being able to just have that. So tell me all about it. And I don't have to worry about time. Exactly. Like, um, Ma'am, can we, you can, we can discuss one of one problem today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, oh, yeah. I know that script so well. <laughs> so. <laughs> like which of, which of your many problems, because I only have 10 minutes and then and you, right. your heart, you're like, I don't really want to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Dr. Felicia, it's been amazing having you on this morning. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure. I hope you feel a little bit better just talking about it. Just, this is what I wanted, just a platform where we just, just talk about whatever, whatever, you know, but, you know, with some, just humanizing doctors letting people know that you know doctors are just people too we have yeah. fathers that are sick and we have babies that want us to breastfeed them and we have police that is you know mean to us and we have you know you know we sometimes we just want to be left alone because you know we, we're also frazzled you know it's, mm. it's, yes 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 so true thank you it's been it has been therapeutic now send me the bill <laughs> that was my whole idea mainly for us to to just talk, we just don't get, we don't get, we don't get people talking about doctors in a good light. Mm -hmm. I don't know when that happened, but it happened. They think that we're just collecting money, <laughs> but it's not true. I mean, we're yeah. here, we get speeding tickets. You know, we, we have a bad day at the, at the store. You know, we are mm -hmm. regular people. We have oh, yeah. people for goodness sake. I mean, whatever, I don't know. We do feel pain. And right. so it hurts me when people, Think oh yeah well there's a, well she's a doctor no I had you know one time I did a Facebook live I was just feeling myself that Saturday morning I was in my convertible the rooftop was down I was you know jamming and some music and I just went on went live on Facebook 
And then like maybe maybe a few days ago or whatever, later I, I had a pitch. I was like, okay, ask me anything. I'm a doctor. And then everybody was asking me things. And one day it was like, wait, isn't that the doctor that, isn't that the lady who did a Facebook live and, you know, while she was driving, you know, with her rooftop down, I'm like, and then I didn't have to say anything. Like 900 people were like, yes. <laughs> I didn't have to say anything. I was like, oh my God, you know, what you ain't finna do is try to paint me. What has that got to do with anything? So because I'm a doctor, right. I cannot drive my convertible. I cannot play music or I cannot go live. Which of them is against my, my uh, oath of Hippocratic oath? Exactly. I didn't have a child in the car. I didn't have, I was not on, my seatbelt was not, you know, what, except that I'm black and you're white and you, you feel like yeah. you can, honey, needless to say, we have to sometimes just, I love Michelle Obama talking about going high, honey. Mm. every now and again i want to be on the same level i don't want to go, i want to be on the same level just right <laughs> vitamin d you know? uh-huh. vitamin b in this case <laughs> <laughs> all right baby girl thank you so much for hanging out with us it was oh my awesome. pleasure my thank name is you Tatsu, aka the mom this has been a fun day with your wellness and you we're looking at Physicians Chronicles over COVID-19, like what's up doc, what's going on? Thank you so much for hanging out. Listen, click like, click share if you're watching this as a Facebook on Facebook or subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. And don't forget to check out Dr. Felicia Sumner and the marvelous work that she's doing with her hubby and her three little piglets. I love it, I love it, I love it. Um, her practice is called Synergized, right? Synergized with Synergized without a D. Without yeah. a D, okay, my bad. Synergize, so it's important that we get the right name. So Synergize, without a D, DPC in Lansdowne, Pennsylvania. All right, I know, yeah, check out her book. Love it. Fill your cup, a physician's guide to some other words. But fill your cup, she should be the only one with that, a physician's guide. All right, she's on Amazon. And Dr. Felicia, you should come and hang out with us some other time. It was awesome having you around. Thank you, I'm for it. Bye, hon. Thank you.